Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on May 21st, 2017, on the basis of Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. I want you to try to picture two scenes with me this morning. The one is the scene described in the book of Acts as the Apostle Paul arrives in the city of Athens. We're told that day after day he went to the Athenian marketplace, the Agora, it was called. And he didn't go there each and every day because he really loved to shop, and, and this wasn't just your local outlet mall. No, in Athens, the marketplace was really the hub and center of city life. This is where people gathered together, where people talked with one another, where people shared ideas with one another. And so this was a very natural place for Paul to come and share the word of God. But as he did, Paul learned three important things about the people of Athens. First of all, he learned that they were very religious. As he looked around the city, he saw all kinds of temples and shrines and altars to all kinds of different deities. The Athenian people were incredibly spiritual and religious. But secondly, Paul learned that in spite of all of their religion, the people of Athens still sensed that they didn't quite have it all figured out. One of those temples, one of those altars, was made to an unknown god. In other words, in spite of all the many different gods that they had, they still sensed that, it, that they didn't quite have it all figured out. They didn't have all of their bases covered. Thirdly, Paul learned that as he then began to share the message of the word of God, there was one idea, one belief about God that these people had never heard before. As he began to share the good news about Jesus and his resurrection, that message sounded very, very strange and very, very new to these people. In other words, in spite of the fact that they had heard just about every religious idea under the sun, this one religious idea, the good news about Jesus, was completely strange, completely foreign, completely unlike anything they had ever heard before. Now compare that scene to the one that unfolded right here in this room on Tuesday afternoons at 5 o'clock for the past two years. It wasn't some hustling, bustling city center. Rather, it was just a handful of relatively quiet young people meeting together with their pastor. And we didn't share all kinds of different perspectives about all kinds of different religious beliefs. Rather, we, we gave our full attention to the voice of the one true God as he reveals himself to us in his holy word. And because that was our task, because that was our agenda, the good news about Jesus Christ was heard each and every time that we met. After all, that's what God's word is all about. From cover to cover, from the first page to the last, it is entirely about the good news of Jesus Christ, promised in the Old Testament and delivered in the New. So two scenes, about as different as they can be. In one, the good news of Jesus was completely foreign, a strange and uninvited intruder. In the other, the good news of Jesus was completely familiar, a welcome and invited guest. It's good for us to compare those two scenes side by side today because now that the two of you are getting confirmed, you will no longer be expected to come on Tuesday afternoons at 5 o'clock. No, don't get me wrong. When we start up classes again in September, you're more than welcome to join us. If you want to come back for a third year of confirmation classes, we would love to have you. But you'll no longer be expected to. 
you will no longer be expected to be a part of that particular scene, at least, where the gospel is so very familiar. And instead, as, as life progresses, as you begin high school and then college, as you get a job and eventually move away from home, you will find yourself increasingly immersed, increasingly a part of a very different scene. And as that happens, I feel the need to give you a little bit of a heads up. You see, you will discover that that scene is very, very similar to the one that Paul encountered in Athens. First of all, you will learn today that people, just like in Paul's day, people today are very, very religious. Now, they themselves might not be so quick to admit that. There are people who like to think of themselves as enlightened thinkers who only believe that which can be proven by reason or by science. And yet, just like in Paul's day, people still look for answers to big, all-encompassing questions of life. For example, where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? And the answer to those questions are every bit as religious as the Athenians' belief in all of their different gods. In fact, recently I came across a blog article that cataloged some of those religious ideological beliefs that have increasingly and especially become a part of what Americans today believe. Let me share with you a few examples. One, if you do good, you will receive good. If you do bad, you will receive bad. Two, all people, regardless of religion, really worship the same God. Three, the purpose of life is to work as hard as you can so that you can make as much as you can, so that you can enjoy life as much as possible. And four, what is morally right and morally wrong is up to each person to decide. See, those are ideas that a lot of people believe that are far different from believing that 2 plus 2 equals 4 or that a molecule of water is made up of two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen. Those beliefs are every bit as religious as the host of gods that the Athenians worshipped. In fact, specifically, those four ideas are basic tenets of Eastern mysticism, New Age spiritualism, secular materialism, and postmodern relativism, respectively. So people today are, are every bit as religious as they were back in Athens, and yet, in the very same way, people today still sometimes sense that maybe in spite of all of their stated religious beliefs, maybe they don't quite have it all figured out. For example, again, people say that if you do good, you'll receive good. If you do bad, you'll receive bad. And yet, when something really, really bad happens to someone, what is almost the first question that they ask? Why? Why me? Why did this happen? In other words, their own stated religious beliefs don't give them an adequate answer to that question. Again, we're, we're told to believe that the meaning and purpose of life is to enjoy life, to get as much satisfaction and fulfillment out of life as you possibly can, and yet, deep down, people often sense that there must be something more. People are looking for something more. Even when people achieve all of their hopes and dreams, they often realize how disappointing it is. People know deep down that one day their inevitable death will cut their enjoyment of this life short and even already now robs them of enjoying it to the fullest. Again, we're told that all religions worship the same God and that what is morally right and wrong is up to each person to decide, and yet we have no problem telling our children, for example, what 
they should believe about God, what they should believe about what's right and what's wrong. We have no problem telling other people how they should think and speak and act and, and getting upset when they don't. So people are still very religious. People still sense that, that maybe they don't have it all figured out. And yet, in, in spite of all of that searching, in spite of all of those questions that people are looking for answers to, there is still one idea, one message, one religious belief that, that naturally is completely foreign and completely absent. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Just like in Paul's day, that is the one idea that people will never discover, that people will never stumble upon all by themselves. So all of that means that today, your, your confirmation day, is a day for two very important things. First of all, it is a day for immense thanks. You see, because the good news of Jesus Christ is by nature foreign to us all, God himself must intervene in order to bring it to us. God himself must intervene in order to take what is foreign and make it instead familiar. Here's how Paul describes that work of God in these verses. He says, From one man God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Paul is saying that, that God orders and guides all of human history. God rules and guides the events of each and every one of our lives with one specific goal in mind, to bring us in contact with the good news of Jesus Christ. I mean, think for a moment about just some of the different ways in which that has played out in your life. Probably started when, at a very young age, your parents brought you to be baptized. Continued as they brought you to church each week, as they read you Bible stories and taught you to pray. It continued as they themselves made a rather significant commitment when your confirmation studies began to get you here on Tuesdays at 5 in spite of their own busy schedules. Through all of that, what you never would have discovered, what you never would have stumbled on your own, what is by nature so foreign to us all has become familiar to you. The good news of Jesus Christ is something that you know and believe. And I just love how, how Paul summarizes that good news in these verses. Here's how he puts it. He says, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So two simple sentences, and not only is it the best news in the world, but it provides an answer to all of those questions that people are so desperately trying to answer and yet struggling to. See, it turns out that this life isn't all that there is and that getting enjoyment and satisfaction in this life isn't our highest meaning and purpose. No, when our life comes to an end, that's, that's not it. When our life comes to an end, we stand before a judge, which means that that the highest meaning and purpose for our life is making sure that we are ready and that others are ready for that day. It turns out that uh, what we believe about God and what we believe about what's right and wrong is not, not simply up to us. Our own versions of God, our own versions of morality will get us nowhere 
on Judgment Day. If so, we would be our own judges, but Paul says that, that God will be our judge. He has revealed himself to us. He has revealed what is right and wrong, and he will hold us to those standards accordingly. And yet notice what Paul says. He doesn't say that God will judge us directly. He says that God will judge us by the man that he has appointed. In other words, our eternity has been placed in the hands of our Savior Jesus Christ. Those very same hands that still bear the marks of the nails that were driven through them when he gave up his life on the cross in exchange for yours and in place of yours. So it turns out that, that rather than if you do good, you'll receive good. If you do bad, you'll receive bad. No, no, what the good news of Jesus Christ means is that even a lifetime spent doing bad things, even a person who has spent a lifetime doing all kinds of bad things can in fact receive an infinite and eternal good through the work of our Savior Jesus Christ. And this isn't just something that we, we blindly put our faith in. No, Paul, Paul says that God has given us proof of this. Proof that he will judge us by Jesus Christ. Proof that our eternity rests in his hands. And that proof came when God raised him from the dead. Friends, today is a, a day for immense thanks. That that good news, what was once so foreign, has been brought and made so familiar to the two of you. It's a day of immense thanks, and it's also a day for an intense commitment to keep what was once foreign familiar in your heart. See, today the, the two of you join the ranks of the rest of the people in this congregation. You join the ranks of those who are primarily responsible for the care of their own faith and the care of their own souls. Those very same people that God used to make what was foreign familiar to you Increasingly, those very same people will no longer be there to help and encourage you, to, to nudge you in the right direction, to nag you and sometimes even drag you to, to come to the place where the gospel is familiar. Instead, that's, that's increasingly going to be up to you. That's why there's an important word in the confirmation promises that the two of you are about to make. And it's the word faithful. How does someone keep what was once foreign familiar in their heart? By being faithful to God's word and to the sacraments. You see, from this day forward, every single day, that that Bible and catechism that you've opened so many times here on Tuesday afternoons, that very same Bible and catechism will be sitting on your shelf, in your room, in your home, and each and every day, it is again the, the voice of your good and gracious God inviting you to open them up again and hear his voice to keep that good news of Jesus familiar. Each and every week, God is also inviting you to come to this place where the good news is so familiar, to keep that good news familiar in your heart. And in fact, now, now, whenever we celebrate Holy Communion, God is inviting you to have a place at the table. From this day forward, each and every time that we celebrate Holy Communion, the very meal that Jesus himself prepared for us, the very meal that he serves to us by giving us his own body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins, each and every time we celebrate that meal, there will quite literally be a spot at this table with your name on it. 
another opportunity to keep what was once foreign familiar in your heart. I'd be lying to you if I told you it's going to be easy. I'd be lying if I said that it will always be fun and exciting and entertaining. No, in fact, very often saying yes to God's word and the sacraments means saying no to something else. It might mean saying no to sleep or to sports. It might mean saying no to entertainment and fun and friends. It might not always be easy, but it's absolutely essential. The reason I shared with you that that whole catalog of different religious beliefs that are so common in our world today is because the blog article in which they were found was sharing the news that, that polls show that an increasing number of Americans are buying into those ideas too. Depending on the specific idea or belief, it was 20, 25, sometimes 30% of Christians who, who believe and accept those ideas. If you do nothing, if, if you sort of leave your faith alone, then what was once foreign and has now become familiar will eventually become foreign again. So make that intense commitment sincerely today. But also make it confidently. Because as you do, you have Jesus' gracious promise. Jesus says, be faithful to the point of death. Be faithful with the word and the sacraments so that up until your dying breath, that good news of Jesus is still deeply embedded in your heart. Be faithful to the point of death. And the very same Jesus before, you will, before whom you will stand in judgment, he will give you the crown of eternal life. And all of us here in the room today pray that God would grant it to you for Jesus' sake. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.